welcome to the Legal Moves Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Strebeck, and I am excited to be back with you for new episodes uh, for 2022. As I always say each year, I'm going to try to make this year the year where I get this podcast out consistently. You may notice that there's always like a few months of breaks, but maybe I will take some advice from my guest this episode, entertainment lawyer and a uh, big mentor of mine, Gordon Firemark. Gordon, welcome. Hi, Zach. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, you uh, you have been a guest on here before, and you have your own podcast, and you are extremely consistent, which I'm, I'm always impressed by. You you know <laughs> you run your own law practice, and you manage to get a podcast out what every month, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a once monthly, which makes it a little easier. I'm not trying to do it every single week, but you know you get into routines and and having a system for it, and having helpers is a big part of it as well. That's how you and I first came to know each other, actually. Exactly. Yeah, I was uh, an associate producer slash intern slash whatever. Yeah, Yeah. uh, that's great. Well, uh, welcome back. Um, First thing is I always have the guests introduce themselves. So why don't you tell me about your background and your law practice? Well, the name of Gordon Firemark. I've been practicing entertainment law uh, since 1992. This is my 30th year of law practice. That's mind-boggling to me. And um, um, I focus mainly, well, I, I have focused mainly on film, television, and live theater. And then about 14, well, 13, 14 years ago, when I started my Entertainment Law Update podcast, I sort of set about to learn and, and make myself an expert in the field of podcasting law. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy to say that that's how people think of me now as the podcast lawyer. Excellent. You know, you always need a niche. I mean, I'm, and I may be the only one on the internet that goes as a board game lawyer. I'm yeah. sure there are other lawyers who work with board game developers and publishers, but uh, I don't think when you Google board game lawyer, anyone else comes up with me. So, yeah, that's a yeah. sub niche within the gaming. <laughs> yeah, Most people are thinking of video and, and electronic gaming. And so yeah. Board, yeah, well, I do that too. But, of but course. Yeah, board games is, uh, is fun. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. Uh, last time, I think we discussed licensing your games IP into other media because you're an yeah. expert with uh, film and television and all that. Yeah. But this time I wanted to discuss a recent story about Nintendo's use of DMCA takedowns and some of the issues surrounding that for game publishers and game developers. So I don't know if you wanted to give a quick rundown of that story about Nintendo's recent giant takedown notice. Uh, well, you know, Nintendo hasn't, this isn't their first time at bat with this uh, kind of thing. Notice they, they have um, recently done a large DMCA takedown. I don't remember the exact numbers uh, of, of items, but it, there was, there, there's a channel in particular on, uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube that was dedicated to music from video games. And they have, uh, DM, uh, I'm sorry, the Nintendo has issued DMCA takedowns to basically get that channel, uh, deplatformed off of YouTube. And the channel has voluntarily decided to hang up its, uh, it's action right. uh because it's just not worth the fight with a you know a behemoth like like uh, nintendo so uh you know the, the way we need to be very clear what we're talking about here is just the music from the game so they've basically created an an alternate way to listen to your favorite game music mm-hmm. um without having to be in the game playing it 
Yeah, Nintendo's an interesting one. I mean, they're kind of infamous for doing these large DMCA takedowns of fan games and fan-based material. Uh, yeah. I know that I have a client, Game Jolt, who has a platform where people upload mm-hmm. games, uh, and they have dealt with this multiple times over the years with, with hundreds of DMCA takedowns from Nintendo specifically. Uh, Nintendo also has, I think, a special program where they basically get a cut of the monetization of your channel if you're doing uh, Nintendo uh, let's plays and, and streaming and all of that. Yeah. I think they, they had come out with that program uh, years ago. So I don't know. Do you have an, an opinion on this? Which side do you fall on as far as this particular, the music related one? Well, uh, is that, you know, yeah. I mean, we need to be clear that the, the music stuff is a, a, it's a sort of a different issue from gameplay, whether it's a mm-hmm. let's play or, or, a you know, how to do the cheats, <laughs> those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and Nintendo has obvious reasons for not wanting those cheap videos out there. But the Let's Play, um, that's a different story. And, and they, I think they're a little more tolerant of those because it sort of promotes the games. But yeah. on this music side, you know, they, I think part of their reasons for wanting the music taken down is that their deals with some of the composers that created the music may require them to do that or to pay royalties when the stuff is out there in other ways. And, and so they're, you know, they're sort of having to take these steps to enforce things in order to protect themselves from those claims from those uh, composers. But, you know, we need to be very clear that the music is most of the time a standalone copyrightable work, copyrighted mm-hmm. work that they own and so, or that, or they've licensed or whatever. And so when you do a gameplay video, you are creating something that is transforming the original thing by incorporating your gameplay, your commentary, those kinds of things. But when you do a, here's the song that you like, you know, with just, either static images or a few moving images, what you're really doing is creating an alternate listening experience for those, um, for those people. And that's classic copyright infringement. Uh, Right. My personal opinion is that they're leaving money on the table by not actually making all of this music available themselves on the Spotify's or, or for download with Apple music and those kinds of things. Uh, There may be contractual restrictions that prevent them from doing that. But, um, you know, it seems like it's an opportunity missed. Right. And I noticed uh, the the person who ran the channel, I think in, in one of their Twitter threads about this, mentioned, mm-hmm. I don't do this for, for profit. The the channel isn't monetized, etc. But I mean, when you look at, it seems like a, a claim to fair use, right? Oh, well, I'm not doing, this is a nonprofit exercise. I'm, I'm, I should have fair use. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that's a common thing we hear from copyright infringers uh-huh. across the board. <laughs> right, right. I'm not making any money from it. So it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fact of it is, no, it's not, you know, the, the copyright law doesn't care whether the infringer is making money from their, their work. I mean, it's, it certainly goes to the measurement of damages. If they're making a big profit, you can use that to support a claim for big profit, a big share of the money. But right. You know, a, a big part of copyright ownership is actually just having the right to say yes or no to a, to a use. And so, you know, for whatever reasons, Nintendo has decided they don't want these videos, these music replay things out there. That's the say no part of it. It doesn't matter whether you're making money from it. It doesn't matter whether you're taking money out of their pocket. It matters that you're copying their work without permission and without a, um, a legal defense like fair use 
for that infringement. We can get into yeah. the fair use analysis on this if you want. Uh, well, well, I mean, I think most, almost all of the fair use analysis is going to go against this uh, particular person proposing. Well, let's do it then. We've got four factors. Okay. The first factor is mm-hmm. the the um, the purpose and character of the new use of the alleged infringing use, and here it is that alternate listening experience. Right? right. Um, it's not different, really, in character from you know, the original, which is a piece of music incorporated into a video or a video game, uh, slight differences. The second f- yeah. factor is the, um, the nature of the original, which we sort of covered there as well. Again, not really transforming it or creating new art from it. It's just another way to hear the music, yeah. the amount and substantiality of the portion taken. That's the fourth element All of it. or I'm sorry, the third, <laughs> the third factor, excuse yeah. me. And, uh, and yeah they, yeah, they've used the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's a, copy of the entire musical work and uh finally the fourth factor is that uh impact on the market for or value of the original and i think part of nintendo's argument here is hey if the people can get that music any any which way they want maybe they're not going to play the game so much i don't think people play the game for the music (laughs) but you'd be surprised but yeah uh or even if nintendo had their own you know, you need to watch it on Spotify. So we, we've monetized this. I, I don't believe they do, but had or they done that, albums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A free version that you mm-hmm. could just watch on YouTube obviously impacts that market. Great. <laughs> so what if they yeah. just published cartridges of just the music, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that might be a good idea. Um, <laughs> all right. And I think I, I, I agree with you there on the, the fair use analysis. I don't really think there's a, uh, a leg to stand on here. And, yeah. you know, wow, it may be, negative press from the sort of uh what do you call it the uh what the, the movement well, the of, uh, of copyright well or just yeah. you know copyright is bad and you know enforcing yeah. your copyright is is evil that kind of uh, opinion out there which obviously as copyright lawyers we probably don't subscribe to but um yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, it's everybody's point of view when they're the infringer and when they're the one being infringed it's the exact opposite <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly so i don't know i think this is a good teachable moment for lots of game yeah. developers a lot of developers i work with uh they have published a game and there's user generated content in their games and this is where mm-hmm. the dmca provisions the digital millennium yeah. copyright act uh kind of comes into play right uh yeah. anything from doing custom levels and mods of the game to having even in-game chat or having a forum or, or some any 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 way that a user can upload something into the game or on your on your platform uh it's a potential uh, third-party copyright infringement because they could be posting anything right yeah i mean again user your your users are your favorite people in the world but they're also the ones mm-hmm. that bring the, bring the <laughs> the uh accusations and the problems with them so yeah you definitely need to have a very clear policy and i think it's more than just a dmca policy i think that if you are a game developer and you publishing stuff that you you know people are going to want to do things with have a clear policy about what's going to be acceptable and what's not and if they are uploading their stuff or 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 other things to your platform. If you run a platform here in the U S you, you know, there's a safe Harbor. You, you can't be sued if you have a DMCA takedown policy with a repeat infringer, um, uh, approach to things. And, you know, so as long as you get the properly formatted DMCA takedown notice and you follow the rules, 
you're in that safe harbor protected from the liability. That's why the DMCA is, is such a useful tool. But you do have to jump through a few hoops. You've got to register yourself as a DMCA agent for the whopping price of six dollars <laughs> you go to copyright.com. Right? Uh, yeah, they changed yeah. that a few years ago. A few years but ago. Yeah. And and it renews every three years. So it, you know it's a minimal two dollar a year expense basically and uh definitely worth doing. And yeah, then have sure. that and, policy. Yeah. Well w- without that you you can't take advantage of the safe harbor, correct? Right. It's one of the conditions of the safe harbor being in effect is Having the agent registered, having a the policy print, you know, included on your website, and actually following the policy, right? And and so I, I know there were a lot of cases about this uh, dealing with YouTube and and mm-hmm. some other sort of uh, online video content services. Um, and it, in your experience, do you need to be actively monitoring content and checking out what people are uploading? And you know, if you see something that's like from Super Mario Brothers, do you need to take that down? Uh, proactively yeah the law doesn't require active monitoring most of the time there are some Uh very unusual circumstances where you might have to but no generally you don't you're not required to be watching everything that is being posted i mean think about it youtube has how many out more millions of hours of content published per week you know so there's no way to watch it actively i mean you can build up systems and algorithms as youtube and facebook and the, the larger players have but Generally speaking, no, I don't think you have to keep an eye on it unless you're doing so for your own reasons. You know, you want to maintain the editorial integrity of what you're doing and those kinds of things. Right. There were cases early on in the in the days of internet law, and by that I mean, you know, 25, 30 years ago, where um, uh, the claim, the, the results of the claim could actually turn on whether you were um, a publisher or merely a conduit <laughs> for the information. And so uh, the DMCA has sort of gotten rid of that, and the Communications Decency Act has sort of gotten rid of that, and now the, 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 the we don't have to monitor. What we do have to do, though, is be aware, once we've been, once it's been called to our attention a few times, if we have a repeat infringer, we've got to deal with that and, and eventually just block them altogether from posting stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you know that, once you know the material's there, you know, it doesn't matter whether you were actively seeking it out or you just happened to notice that Mario Brothers video or whatever. Yeah, you got to do something about it. You have to take it down. Right. And yeah, I would say from from those cases uh, that I was discussing, mm-hmm. um, a, the, the law kind of disincentivizes actively monitoring the content, right? Because you, you don't want to be, you know, sort well, of liable did, for, and, and, we saw this and we left it up. Yeah, some of the changes to the law uh, in the in well in the early two thousands were designed to sort of undo that disincentivization because you know companies were basically taking a completely hands off approach and um, you know that's contrary to public policy as well. We want responsible businesses to take responsibility and 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 especially in this day and age with other kinds of content, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, medical knowledge, information and misinformation that's being spread. We want the platforms to be able to deal with that stuff themselves and not have to wait for someone to tell them to. Sure. Yeah. And that's always helpful. So when you have clients that come to you and 
I, I know this happens to me a lot. I don't know if you get this a lot, but clients who come in and they want to make a product that's sort of based on someone else's intellectual property, whether they want to do some sort of a fan film or a fan game, or maybe they do, uh, parody is the one I get a lot where people say, mm-hmm. well, this is a parody, even though it's very close to the other one. Um, <laughs> I, there was a recent case with uh, the Dr. Seuss-styled Star Trek book. Yeah. Right. To, that ultimately uh, turned out it wasn't right, a first parody. that seems... Yeah. Right, exactly. It's, uh, the the lower court seemed to find that it was a parody, and then it, uh, uh, when it was finally decided, it definitely mm-hmm. was not a parody. So, I mean, there's a definitely a limit to what you can borrow from someone else without infringing on their intellectual property. And I think what people think is a parody is is yeah. very much not always a parody uh, you know, at least under the law yeah parody is a tough nut to crack sometimes because it you know the the definition is actually fairly clear it's just most people think that every satire is a parody or every right. sort of mocking of something is automatically parody and that's not always the case a lot of uh, uh things that that people can consi- think of as parody is actually not because it's not making fun of the original copyrighted work or the author of the work or something like that it's making fun of something entirely differently entirely different using the work as a tool to make you know, changing the lyrics of a song to make fun of the president. That's not parody. <laughs> That's making right. fun of the president. Um, <laughs> exactly. Changing the lyrics of the song to make fun of the song, like turning beat it into eat it. That's parody. <laughs> yep. Although um, Weird Al always gets permission. And that's my advice to folks who are creating stuff that is derived from other stuff is, look, go get the permission unless you're absolutely dead certain that they're not going to give you permission. And you've got a valid basis for this fair use or parody. And, and, you know, parody is one kind of fair use. It's sort of a shortcut to fair use. But it could still be fair use even if it isn't parody. But, you know, you're either going to pay lawyers to do the analysis for you to give you, you know, the sort of the clearance to go forward with what you're doing or Mm -hmm. to get you out of the hot water when the accusations and lawsuits start flying. Or you could pay for the rights and... You know, I think it, you know, better to spend the money on clearing the rights if you can. Yeah, I agree. And there, there's an inherent danger to parody, wherein in order for it to be a successful parody, you need to borrow a lot of the original thing, right? And yeah. then when you're creating the parody, like, like the Dr. Seuss, if you're parodying Dr. Seuss, you need to ape the style and uh, a lot of the, the, you know, the, the artwork and all of that. And that danger is if you failed in your legal uh, analysis of parody, then you could potentially be in, in hot water because you've now <laughs> right. stolen a lot of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, sometimes the publicity from that <laughs> that can can be a yeah, positive, true. but nobody enjoys law. Well, nobody but the lawyers enjoy loss- enjoy lawsuits. <laughs> so. Definitely, definitely. All right, so. Uh, you know, and this is why we get the reputation for not being very much fun. I mean, when people come to me with these uh, parody ideas, you know, you, you kind of have to throw cold water on them a lot of the times because uh, there, there's just too much risk, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, there are no real rules of thumb in this fair use and parody arena. We have to do the analysis for each mm-hmm. single alleged infringement. If you've got a, a, a game or, or something that has five or six different clips of something else in it 
that's five times you have to do this analysis for each one and, and you may not like the results you get. So again, that's why I generally go back to saying, Hey, you know, these things that you're going to incorporate are just like the bricks you use to build your house. You're going to pay for the raw materials and Mm -hmm. it's part of the cost of doing business. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my, my, uh, train of thought on and this is usually uh why not put that energy into creating something completely new and uh right. you know, going with that instead of sort of trying to trade mm-hmm. off of someone else's work but i don't know uh, well, i mean you know fair use exists well that's another thing we should talk about fair use exists in the united states and there are analogs in many other countries but not all and it's not always as vigorous of a defense or complete a defense it's based on the first amendment free speech freedom of the press, you know, which is a direct conflict with the copyright law that says you can't copy that thing. <laughs> so, right. yeah. um, but it's a product of, you know, United States constitution. So it's not going to work for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, most games are global products. It's mm-hmm. easier than ever to release something worldwide. So if you have that issue, <laughs> you know, you can't do the analysis in every country in the world. Uh, yeah. so yeah. Avoiding and, and, and if, if you're a developer located in another country, you can have a hard time relying on that kind of a defense. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, that's all we've got for this episode. I don't know, Gordon. Thanks again for for coming on the show. Oh, always a pleasure, man. Nice to be with you. Well, where on the internet can our listeners find you if they need help? Well, I am blessed to have a very unique name. So if you Google Gordon Firemark, you're going to find uh, a lot <laughs> from me or a lot about me, one way or the other. Uh, on social media, G Firemark. Um, I'm I'm sticking with the older forms of social media for the most part. I've got a TikTok account, but that's just not me to go. Uh, maybe I'll pop my zits on I, TikTok one of these days. <laughs> I don't even have a, I don't even have an account. Yeah, and. Um, um, if you're interested in the podcast law side of things specifically, um, look for me as the podcast lawyer on social media or excellent. go to the podcastlawyer.com. Excellent. Excellent. All right. And you can find me at gamelawyerblog.com. And as always, please share the podcast with your friends, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I will talk to you all next time. <laughs>